Joining us right now is a former professor of mine. I always uh, get that out there first to date him, but seriously, one of the really fine baseball authors out there and commentators, Lee Lowenfish, joins us now. Lee, how are you? Well, a very happy uh, early uh, spring day to you. Boy, it's going to be 50 up here today. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to put on shorts, but uh, it does bring baseball closer, and it makes us feel like baseball. So it's great to be with you, Stan. Is it a good time to be an Oriole fan as we get closer to spring training, or do you wish they had another month to, to work all this out? I'm afraid uh, <laughs> I, I wish I could play Pollyanna to you, but... Uh, uh, I, I don't. I, I don't know what what to expect. Or let's put it this way: if you were writing your column about reasons they'll do good, reasons they'll do bad, I I, I can't see writing a long column on how well they could do this year. I mean, just too many question marks, you know. No, no question about it. The Orioles of uh, 2018. Uh, it's hard to imagine. You, you could probably see Tampa, with a couple, if they make a couple more moves, sliding below the Orioles, but it really looks like the Orioles have carved out a niche for themselves as the last-place team in the American League East. Well, my concern, you know, Orioles fans, I'll never forget when, when John Miller came to broadcast in Baltimore in the early 80s, and we had the great teams in 82 and 83, and he said Boston, they expect to win – the Yankees, they expect to win. Baltimore, we don't, we don't expect to win, but we do expect to contend in, in September, you know, to play meaningful games in September. And uh, it's hard to foresee it this year. And to me, the biggest issue is management. I mean, uh, I mean everyone could be gone next by, by uh, the end of the year, and that means Showalter Tuquette. <laughs> Adam Jones, Adam Jones, Manny Machado, Machado and Zach Britton. The season, yep. you know, so that uncertainty drives me a little crazy. There's no question that is what's got a lot of Oriole fans concerned right now. If you are Jonathan Scope or you are Adam Jones, clearly at two different points in their career, how closely are you watching how the team has sort of muffed their window of opportunity before you decide whether you want to stay with the Orioles? Well, I think those are two players the Orioles should make an effort to, to sign uh, for, uh, at least in Scope's case, to buy out the arbitration. I mean, here's, I mean Scope is one of the great stories of, of, uh, of, of the Orioles. I always think back to what Ken Griffey Sr. said to his son and in general about the team that signs you cares about you and knows you the most. Yeah. And Scope they signed when he was 16. And everything I know about him, I have not met him, but I've seen the videos, I've watched him play. I mean, he he feels a, a great pride in being an Oriole. So uh, so I, I think he wants to stay if, if the price is right. And let, let's not forget that the, the price always has to be right. So, you know, it, it's going to be... Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see now. Now, Adam Jones is a leader in the community. I, I think he would like to stay. I know evaluators feel that he's on the downslide, and he might be. Yeah. And but what what I'm concerned about is there anyone in the Oriole organization that is capable of making some plans beyond this year? You know, for so we can't down the road uh, 
play meaningful games in September and hopefully October. I don't I, see it yet. I, I think the, the one thing that an Oriole fan can be heartened by a little bit is that if this truly is the end of the uh, Duquette-Showalter era together, you know, a six-year run that's been a pretty good run, all things considered, is that Dan Duquette, if should he leave, will leave the team in much better shape than he inherited in terms of the the pipeline from minors to majors is starting to finally percolate a lot more than we've seen since the early 80s, you know, uh, Lee? Well, I, I would hedge that a little bit in the, because, you know, when you're dealing with the Yankees and the Red Sox and now Artie Moreno and uh, the Angels, you can't fan on those top draft picks. And I see that D.J. Stewart was invited to uh, spring training, but that was a questionable number one pick. Uh, there, it's better, I grant you, it's better, but the, the, the lack of arms is, well, is a, a deep concern. And, yeah. and believe me, it's not just the Orioles' fault. You know, I mean, uh, the, the, there are more bad organizations in baseball than, than good ones. And uh, so I'm, I'm not trying to be, you know, trash him too much. But uh, I agree partly in what you're saying, but uh, I'm not convinced that we have these, these uh, uh, can't-miss players coming through the system. And that's why scouting is so important because you've got to make as good a judgment as you can. And it's the hardest thing in the world, really, to project an 18-year-old kid and see what he's going to be like when he's 22 physically. And, and if I can use a, <laughs> a word that's not in great uh, fashion these days, you know, what he's going to be like morally when he has millions of dollars to play around with. We're talking with Lee Lowenfish, Lee, who has written The Imperfect Diamond about the labor situation in Major League Baseball, but that dates back. You wrote that book when, in about 78, 79? 79. I remember yeah. my, my first interviews were in spring training with Al Lopez and Robin Roberts on the same day. And I earlier interviewed Marvin Miller, and, uh, and, I, and I was just talking this morning about uh, Peter Seitz, uh, uh, he was. Uh, he gave me all the, uh, uh, the the exhibits from the Messersmith McNally case. Right. And uh, I'll, I'll I'll never forget him saying that the the owners of baseball just never learn anything. You know. Well. And and now you know it, what makes it interesting is that there are about what 150 free agents not signed for next year, and so they're they're almost doing the owners 40 years later, what Charles Finley suggested when they first had that uh, arbitration decision against the owners, you know, you know, let them all be free agents and see what happens. So uh, this, this next month's going to be really interesting because the, the dominoes will start to fall. But if, if J.D. Martinez is thinking that he's going to get his $2 million, $200 million from the Red Sox yeah. and he'll sit out part of the season... I think he might be in for a rude awakening. That's just my guess on this. By the way, last night on MLBTradeRumors.com, I read a, a piece of, about what's going on in baseball right now that said that the number is 170 free agents remain unsigned. The, the piece went on that I read to say that right now, Manfred is ticked at the union, the players are ticked at the union, 
and the players are ticked at the owners. Um, one of the most interesting figures in all of this is Tony Clark. He does not seem like he has carved out um, how he feels really about a lot of things. Do you think his job is in jeopardy? Well, certainly the loss, uh, the very untimely death of uh, Michael Weiner yeah. has set back the union. I mean, because Weiner was uh, unlike Fear and unlike Miller and more like Dick Moss, the unheralded uh, uh, counsel to Miller who really loved baseball and was an old Pirate fan from Pittsburgh. I mean, Weiner had this ability to get the players to understand the players' rights can't be given back, but he could talk to the owners. He didn't get into uh, real feuds, and uh, his uh, his departure uh, from the from the uh, brain tumor was was a real loss for the union, and and it so clearly the the union made a mistake on allowing this tax to go down for the big market teams and this is how it's playing out you know that the the Yankees and the Dodgers are not getting involved with free agents until possibly next year with Machado and with 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 uh, Brian Harper and maybe Kershaw uh and so that with, with them not um involved in the free agent bid uh, bidding you know you're not the, the price prices are not being driven up and Boris, who is whose hero is Marvin Miller, is is wants the he he always thinks there'll be a greater fool out there, uh, and so we'll see. It, it still might happen, but it, as I say, these next few weeks are going to be very interesting to watch. Uh, of all the 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 answers to why the 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 um, the free agency has moved so slow this off season, the one that I find fascinating is that. Most of the teams now have such similar people in their statistics. Uh, you know, their um, uh, you know the the people that study these uh, metrics and uh, all the stats and all that. That each team has these categories, and they all think alike. So therefore, they all have a much sort of finite version of what players' worths are. Uh, or values are. Uh, do you follow that at all? Well, no, I, I think that that's true. I mean, but it also doesn't mean that it's right. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a lemming quality in, in baseball in, in a lot of, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the visionaries are very uh, few and far between in, in any industry. And uh, if these uh, young uh, Turks uh, who are now established in so many of the organizations think that they have figured out how to players develop, how they decline, and and you know they find an algorithm for it. I think they're sadly mistaken, but I do think that that's one of the reasons why it's been very slow, and it's uh, uh, and that's also why I think the next few weeks, even even the next two weeks. Will be very determinative because I don't I don't think players um, of those 170 I think most of them want to know by the end of this month certainly where they're going to be for spring training. So so one of the topics surrounding that issue is it seems like all these metrics people you know the um, 
uh, I'm, I'm losing track of the exact word I want to use. I uh, think analytics. Analytics. Right? That's the word I've been looking for for the last five minutes. All these analytics people, it's pretty clear that they don't want to give a 31 or a 32 year old player any longer a contract more than say three years. So the 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 idea that somebody like Josh Donaldson, who is 32 years old, will somehow get a six or seven year contract, uh, he might be the one exception because he might get a five year deal. But if if they don't want to give you the big money toward the end. Is there something that can be reopened at the next uh, basic agreement that would change the face of free agency that would start to maybe get the players' clocks moving a little sooner? Is that well, what actually, they should aim for? That's a very for? good question. And yeah. um, I, uh, when 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 free agency came down after the the '76 season. Uh, the the site's ruling could have made everyone a free agent, but right. the, the, union the union did not the union want behind that. Behind Miller and Moss, got it down to after six years, right? And so that limited the number of of free agents uh, dramatically. And I have a great memory, uh, I think it's correct, of you know Rick Day, uh, Rick Dempsey, in that great '77 season for the Orioles, which is one of my favorite seasons, even if though they just came up short, won 97 games, so. You know, sometime in mid-season, uh, Dempsey uh, uh, got a five-year deal, and uh, and Dwight Evans, who later at the end became an Oriole, kind of when he came up to the plate and Dempsey was catching, he kind of rubbed him on the head as if to say, "Good work," you know. Mm-hmm. Now Bando, Sal Bando, was one of the leaders of the Players Association, a moderate. He thought that once the free agents ruling came down, they wouldn't need, they need, wouldn't need salary arbitration. And what I would love to see is to make free agent um, eligibility four years, uh, yeah. or, and and which is kind of what it is in other sports. Would that would that put too many? And remember, it's important to remember that the 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 labor side, the union side, did not want everybody to be a free agent all at the same time every year because they they felt that that would have driven prices down because there'd be too much supply. Correct. Right, exactly, and that. But now you see, and you see also in that first agreement, there was a limit to the number of free agents a team could sign. Okay, and that was uh, that depended on the number of people who were free agents, and so I believe it was like three, and uh, and the Yankees in the first year you know went after Gritch and Rudy, but they wound up getting Reggie. Right. Uh, but but you know that it's kind of a moot point now because every year the number of free agents goes into triple digits and now now you're saying there's 170 unsigned and maybe at the beginning of this off season there were 200. Yeah. So that that's um, uh, that that's not going to fly. You know what I would. But but I think opening free agency or. or Earlier would would help the younger players, and it might be an inducement to to the, the to the veteran to to sign to sign longer contracts and stay with the team. You know, you know it, it's interesting. One of the things that I always found the most um, unfair part of the steroid era, Lee, gets back to arbitration, and I felt that the owners were so slow to the. To, to the realization 
of what steroids were doing to the arbitration process and how the arbitration process, rather than free agency, was what drove prices to such a high level so soon because you were comparing apples and oranges. You were comparing a non-steroid guy to steroid numbers, and I thought that the steroid number guys drove the prices up for players. Yeah. Artificially. Yeah, yeah but, but you know, you, you see that uh, the uh, uh, most owners, you know, didn't have any moral concern about this, and, and sadly neither did Miller and the Players Association. I mean, he was already retired, but he was still an influence. And, you know, that that's what made that period so so sad for a lot of us because it you know screwed up the record book and you had guys um, uh, um, risking their their long-term health for this stuff yep. but you know I, I'm not going to get on a high horse about this because when you look at the lives the awfully tragic and dumbly short lives of a Halliday and a, and a Jose Fernandez I mean you know the, these guys, they they think they're indestructible, yep. and and you know they'll do anything in and and out out of season it seems. So, but but you know to get back to the to the economic question, there, there's another the, the, the Mike Flanagan and I saw this comment on the Mazin website said that the way you deal with the luxury tax is that you should apply the luxury tax uh, penalty to teams within your division. Uh, and and so, like, if the Yankees and the Red Sox went out and spent a lot of money, that luxury tax wouldn't go to the other uh, third twenty-eight teams. It, but would, it would go within go the division. Within the division, that's an you know? interesting. And that, way. That's kind of a nice idea yeah, too. But that's interesting. But you know, it's uh, uh, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. Be, but the sad thing about baseball is that we're not just in Baltimore feeling pretty pessimistic i mean you know how about pittsburgh how about miami you know how about oakland and tampa bay where they're never going to get stadiums and uh uh and and like tampa bay i'm not convinced when you trade longoria uh and i i don't see their future either off the field or on the field being that that good we're talking with lee lowenfish lee uh, the current news story surrounding a sort of sports business is this um, this whole push by the commissioner on the 22nd clock and how up in arms the union is against that. How much is the union against that because they're or the players in the union against that because they feel like they're being put upon by how slow the free agent market is there a connectivity between how unhappy the players are with this this work related um, working condition related choice by the commissioner well i you know i i think it's part of it but but you know it, it i'm i'm glad that some of the names of the people who are negotiating for the union is is or now sort of making the press i saw the other day that the committee that will be dealing with this, at least on on the preliminary level, is Goldschmidt of the of the Diamondbacks, right. who are uh, who's a really solid guy from all that I've read. Matt Harvey of the Mets, who's <laughs> the um, uh, the opposite, uh, and then and two other uh, Andrew Miller, who is certainly yeah. a solid guy, who 
unfortunately, the Orioles didn't keep, and, and another fourth one. So I, I don't think, it, I think it's part of it, but I think the union is very divided on yeah. this, too. Yeah. Uh, and I've, uh, and Manfred certainly doesn't have the credibility but uh, uh, to, to be a fair broker on this. So it's, that's another thing that's going to be interesting to see if they can really shorten the games. And I, 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 don't, I don't think it's going to be very successful. What, I mean, I don't your, like these four-hour games myself. You know, I, but, I don't either. What is your take on why he seems so obsessed with moving this pace of game? Is it about what what major league baseball sees in the future the future fans are not in tune with these three and a half and four hour games oh yes i mean you know manfred is very attuned to the tv yeah uh you know the the the, the polls are very interesting on this you know cuz the polls of people who go to games they don't care how most of them don't care how long the game is. They're going into an alternative world that they love, right? Yeah. The people at home are upset because you know the it, it and and the TV people. If, if though they're upset, the TV people are upset, and and so that clearly that's where Manfred is coming from. Uh, he, the TV and and you know when Dan Libertard ripped him open uh, as a Marlins fan and, and as a uh, uh, and fairly so. I mean, he complained. Uh, it was an ESPN interview, and Man Manfred complained high up to ESPN that 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 wasn't that he was unhappy. So it, it uh, TV is dictating too many things. It's always been it's always been the case uh, since they they played that playoff game in the rain in 77 between the Dodgers and the Phillies. Yep. And Bowie Kuhn, you know, went to a game, the World Series game at night without a top coat. I right. Mean, the, you know, getting that TV inventory on and, and hopefully without uh, excess innings, you know, that, that's their priority. And believe me, if that TV money starts to dry up, we're going to have some interesting things in baseball, you know. Leah. Lee, this this week the uh, selections will be announced on uh, Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame. It looks like uh, Chipper Jones, Vlad Guerrero, Tommy, Edgar Martinez, and Trevor Huffman are in. It looks like Mussina is trending right, but is going to fall just short. I think he's at seventy two point four percent right now, with a couple days remaining. Uh, your thoughts on the Hall of Fame for this year? Well, no doubt Chipper Jones uh, is, is, is a no-brainer. Guerrero is close to that. Yeah. Uh, the others, you know, Tommy is, is an interesting case, and I guess his, his greatest claim is that, well, there are two great claims. He hit 600 home yeah. runs, so, you know, and, and, and he was not tainted with the, with the steroid with the, brush. The, uh, the steroids. Uh, but in this cynical age we're living in, and I'm part of it. I don't. I hate to be cynical, totally, and I don't think I'm totally cynical. But every so many people feel that uh, the ones the, who are in, like uh, one example, Padre Rodriguez last year, he knew how he knew how to mask things better. Yeah, you know? yeah. I was and not so a big fan. I was not a big fan. The others I like. I think Ed, Edgar deserves it. Yep. And uh, and the fifth one, well, Trevor Tre- Hoffman. Trevor Hoffman. Yeah. He 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 did not come up big in the big spots. So I had, I would have 
uh, uh, I'm not sure I would vote for him. I also, I don't like that many going in at one time. You know, the Hall of Fame should be for the great, yeah. not for the very good. And I think I can definitively say Chipper Jones was great and was consistent. And um, Guerrero, probably. Yeah. The others, I'm not sure. I'm a hard grader, so right. I'm not, I wouldn't necessarily say that they're all in, but I, I'm kind of glad that Morris and Trammell got in by the veterans. I, I but, agree. But of course, once they get in, Where's Lou it Whitaker? does become more of a very good yeah. and a maybe even a very, very good thing as opposed to a great. So, you know, All right. uh, these arguments never end. No, and they don't. So <laughs> that, right. that's where I stand uh, right now. All right. Lee Lowenfish, many thanks to you for coming on. And uh, I'm sure we'll get out to a ball game this year. It's been a long time. Oh, absolutely. Time. Yeah, we, we're still 0-0. We have... I say it with a little bit of mix, uh, with not conviction, but we're we're zero zero until March 29th, right? All right, Lee, that sounds good right now. Okay. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. You got it. Thanks much. All yeah. Right. Bye bye.